Welcome. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Good to have you guys here. Uh, welcome to you on Facebook Live. They're watching right now. Hundreds of you watching us. We're glad to have you here wherever you are, Venezuela, whatever, man. I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Um, I'm Tim Harlow. I'm the senior pastor here. And we, uh, I just want to apologize if you showed up last weekend and there was no church. Um, that was on purpose. I know some of you were like, man, I heard some pastor talk about the rapture and I, I saw that Left Behind movie and I was a little freaked out. No, it's okay. We just, we just took the weekend off, okay? It's all good. I hope you had a wonderful holiday. We're doing this series called This Is Us. Um, really, all we're doing is stealing the, the title from, uh, you know, the, the TV series, okay? The, the show is one of the most popular shows on TV last year. It's this emotional drama about love and joy and heartbreak and I've not seen one episode. I, I, I don't care. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, I raised three daughters. I've had enough drama for a lifetime. That's all there is to it, okay? What, what they tell me is it was very well done, and it's so popular because you can relate to the characters because they're real. This is real. This is life. This is us. That, that, that's, that's the tag, right? So we're just doing January. We wanted to kind of hit January in a, in a reality kind of a way and talk about the real stuff that we've got going on in our lives. Uh, next weekend, I'm going to talk about, I wonder if people like me. A great message from, a, from an Old Testament passage about a woman who took a long time but finally found her worth in God instead of what other people thought about her. And that's a difficult thing to do in this age of social media. The next week, uh, my marriage is in trouble. Uh, I want to tell you something. Everybody's marriage is in trouble. And this is real. Okay? You're married to an imperfect person and you are an imperfect person. And this is not going to be one of those messages where I just like, here's your five things and your marriage is all going to get better. We're going to talk about reality. We're going to talk about what if it doesn't? Well, what does this mean? What does God want to do with you and your marriage? And then the last week of January, we have Daryl Strawberry here. Daryl Strawberry, a New York Mets Hall of Famer, great baseball player, great potential baseball player, was as famous for his cocaine addiction while he was playing Major League Baseball as he was for what he was able to do when he wasn't strung out. And, um, and he's going to come. He's going to be preaching that weekend. He's going he's to be talking about his story, and he's a great man of God now and what God has done along the way. So, so that's what we're doing. We start today with... Uh, this New Year's thing, I mean, it's, I, so every once in a while I like to pull out one of these <clears throat> Old Testament, obscure Old Testament stories that you didn't know, okay? Because it just, like, it, it applies to the new year, and I also want to prove to you that I really did earn a doctorate in religion, okay? It's not an honorary doctorate, um, which I was laughing when I was thinking about it today. I don't know of a religious institution that would give me an honorary doctorate at this point. I had to go out and earn it. Some of my colleges actually want my degrees back, okay? But, but, but hey, you know, Pastor Richie at our New Linux campus got kicked out of his Bible college, so welcome to Parkview, okay? That's who we are. <clears throat> We're not, we're not necessarily establishment people, okay? Let me just start by demonstrating, however, why this is important. And if you follow me on social media, you already, you already know this story, okay? My wife made a calendar for our new year. One of those deals where, you know, you go through and you've, you, you've got the calendar template all there. And she filled in birthdays and, and like, uh, this is March. So there's pictures of, of our daughter, Lauren, who was born in March. And, you know, some fun things like that. And, 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 and April, and there's a little Charlie picture, 
little Georgie pictures and, and just a fun way to kind of hang it up on your wall see what's going on, right? And everybody always loves them. She does it on Shutterfly, which if you understand, if you've done this before, it's not the easiest system. Google needs to buy Shutterfly because you guys need to fix that Shutterfly, okay? It should be easier. But she got in a hurry towards the end. She had a coupon, you know, was going to run out and uh, didn't check it carefully enough. So the inside is all really great and, the, you know, everything's right on the inside. And that's all that really matters because you're going to hang it up. And nobody looks at the front of the calendar anyway, except when you unwrap it as a present on Christmas and it says... Now, if, if you're new, my last name is not Olson, okay? Uh, it's the Olson family calendar from 2017. I don't know who the Olsons are. I don't know why they are the default name on the Shutterfly calendar, but this isn't us, okay? That's my new TV show. I'm also not real crazy about doing 2017 all over again. If, if you want to know the truth, I don't want Groundhog Day happening. So this is, this is why I love taking a proactive approach to the new year. Because if you don't change the defaults, the same thing is going to happen to you. You're going to live 2017 all over again. Life is just going to fill it in for you. You're going to wake up one day and go, wait a minute, how did I get to be an Olsen? I don't even know. I don't even know. how. To, well, I'll tell you how. You didn't change the defaults. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what 2018 is going to be like. 1 Kings 19, we got this uh, prophet Elijah, one of the most famous prophets in Israel's history. God's people have a bad king. The people have forgotten their commitment to God. And, and God says, Elijah, I want you to be my spokesperson. That's what a prophet is. He speaks for God to the people. And this guy was powerful. He calls fire down from heaven to burn up the altar of Baal. He controls the rain, makes it stop raining for three and a half years. Then he starts the rain back up again. Okay. Then he outruns a chariot. He, he raises the dead. I mean, this guy is an unbelievable prophet of God. He is so connected to God that when it's time for Elijah to die, he doesn't die. God swoops down with a chariot of fire, sends his angels down with a chariot of fire, swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to tear me home, and swings down and picks up Elijah, and he goes to heaven, which I'm asking God to do for me. I mean, right? I mean, not, not for me. I'm not afraid to die. I just think all those people that think I'm a heretic because I use too much humor in modern culture, I can just go, see? But that's just my carnal nature. In chapter 19, Elijah is burned out, okay? He's depressed. He's done these amazing miracles, but the king is still after him. The king's wife, Jezebel, does that name ring a bell with any of you, is really psycho. She's trying to kill him. The people aren't listening. And he's, he's fried, okay? Listen to, listen to this. This is us. He came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Maybe that feels like where you're at as you start 2018. I mean, you've had some good stuff happen, but right now in your life, you are just done. This is us is done. Does it surprise you that one of the most honored prophets of God was so depressed he just wanted to lay down and die. This is us. Elijah has seen the power of God more than anyone. He's a human being. He's tired. And he's got people on his back. I use this passage <clears throat> when I talk to other pastors, uh, which I do occasionally about 
taking care of yourself, making sure everything is good in your life. Because I hit a burnout period about 15 years ago as a pastor of this place. I was working on my dissertation for my doctorate. The church moved into the Orland building for our first campus and doubled in size instantly. And we didn't have enough help. And we, you know, I mean, it's just insane. And uh, my kids were teens and preteens and, and it was just busy and it was just too much. And every, everything was good. It was, there wasn't anything that was bad. It was just too much. And I was fried. And I had, I had, this episode where I was like backstage getting ready to go out and preach, and I, I, I literally didn't know if I could walk out and do it. And I, I recognized it immediately, and I got some immediate help, and it turned into a minor blip on my radar. But we all know people who didn't get help right away, and it became a real big deal. I learned some boundaries, and I got some help. And I just want to tell you, if you are feeling that way right now, please get some help. Don't think it's just going to go away. Let us help you. Get some people around you that can help you. For Elijah, God sent an angel, got him some food, got, you know, comforted him for a little bit. And then he said, I'm going to come down for a visit. We're going to come, I'm going to come down and have a chat, Elijah. And a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. The Lord wasn't in the fire either, right? All these, all these powerful God things, Elijah's probably going, oh, that must be God. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. I, I preached on this passage in August. I, I mean, this is where you say every once in a while you need to slow down and hear the gentle whisper of God. You're not going to hear it in the noise. Frankly, that's why we took last weekend off from doing services so that all of our people could just do that. And that's usually the message, and I'll usually stop there. But what did he say? And what did God say? And it's kind of specific, so it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to apply to everything in our life. But, but here's what he said. He said, go down to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, I want you to anoint Hazael, king over Aram, also anoint Jehu, king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Shaphat, to succeed you as prophet. God says, what I want you to do, Elijah, is get some help. New kings and a new successor. Somebody that you can mentor that can take over for you. Because you can't keep doing this forever. I wish I could tell you how many conversations I have with my peers, especially older peers at larger churches about when is it the best time to turn over the reins to somebody else to run the church? I mean, it's always got to be about the church and not about me and not about us. And like, I just had a friend um, in, 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 uh, in Phoenix, uh, Don Wilson just retired at 66 from Christ Church of the Valley. It's 20,000 member church and they got a lot of other things they need to go on and do in the future. And, and it was time for him to turn over the reins. We talk about those things in my circles a lot because you don't want to stay too long and let things start to go downhill before you do that. And here's the thing. I've made the statement before that there's no retirement in the Bible. I found out that that's not actually true. The concept is true. We're never too old to be used by God. Moses was 80 when he started working for God, okay? There's always stuff for us to do. And I'm finding that the older I get, the more productive for God I am. But there's also a limit to some of the things that you do. In Numbers 4, the priests who worked in the tabernacle were forced to retire at age 50. I hadn't really noticed that before. 
They could continue to assist their brothers, but they could not be in charge of the tabernacle. It was too important of a thing, and they were forced to retire at age 50. And you might say, well, why, why would that be? Well, I think I can sum it up with my favorite Saturday Night Live sketch from last year. Good. That's funny right there. I don't care what you say. Uh, that, you know, truthfully, I, I think that's part of it. I'm, I'm exper- I live that, okay? I, I do, okay? But, but there's, the other part of it is that leading people is a heavy responsibility. I think that's where Elijah is in this passage. It's a heavy responsibility. Leading people is hard because people are dumb, okay? I'm a people, you're a people, we're all dumb. And you put us together, we're dumb and dumber, okay? It is really not easy to do, okay? And also leading people for God adds a whole other dimension. Because then the prince of darkness has got a big target on your back and everything you're doing, he's coming against, okay? So, so, so I think there's, there's a time when it's time to turn over the reins to somebody else. That, that's just what Elijah is ready to do. That's what God says Elijah needs to do. Now, if it's age 50 in the Bible, if you want to do life expectancy, that's about 88 in today's terms, okay? So don't think this message is going somewhere. I, I am not going anywhere. I think this season that we're in at Parfew is one of the most beautiful seasons we've been in ever, and I'm not letting go of this for a long, long time, okay? You may have to pry this out of my cold, dead hand. Odessa, turn the heat up. Guys, we had, we had 25,000 people for Christmas Eve. Can you imagine that? That's unbelievable. You guys did great. Uh, that's a crazy record. It's, it's insane. If you could have seen the thousands, thousands of hands up in the air asking God to, open, to let them open the gift of salvation, it's just, it was just unbelievable. And, and we've got new services starting at our Homer and New Lenox campuses. Uh, new Lenox started this weekend, and in, in two weeks, we've got well, another one started in Homer. Homer people, you're starting at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We're adding a third service, especially because of kids' space. We needed to do that. I mean, we're, there's just it's just amazing, all the people that are coming to God. So, so yeah, it's just a fun time. Don't, don't worry about this. At some point, I need to figure it out. It's not right now. How does this apply to your new year is about the new guy, okay? This is, this is just fun. Elijah went from there and found Elisha. Okay, I know that's confusing. I wish it was Fred, one of them, but, you know, you're always going to be that way. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, that is the symbol of, like, passing the baton. I know it doesn't make any sense to you, but it was like, I'm knighting you or whatever. You're going to be, my, you're going to be the new guy. Elisha left his oxen, 12 yoke of oxen, and ran after Elijah said, hey, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. All right? I heard Kevin Queen uh, preach this message, who is the new pastor at Crosspoint Church in Nashville. Uh, he preached about this passage as the new Elisha, and I just thought it was a perfect time for him. As his very first message, he is my kids' pastor and my grandkids' pastor in Nashville now, and he's the new guy. And I thought, you know, I thought, man, this would be a great passage for us to talk about as we start the new year. The background on this is that the scholars would tell us that 12 yokes of oxen is a is pretty well off, okay, in that day. It would have meant, this is important, it would have meant that Elisha had other opportunities, okay? He was not at some dead-end job waiting for his ship to come in. This is, this is about saying, I'm going to take a new responsibility. This is about changing the defaults, okay? 
If you don't change them, they're, gonna, they're just going to fill in. You're just going to keep plowing, and maybe you'll get more oxen or whatever, and maybe that's fine. But he's deciding he's going to change the default starting now. And he has this defining moment in 1 Kings 19. It's just, it's just this, is what I'm, this is what I want you to hear. So Elisha left him, and he went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Elijah didn't ask him to do this. He just slaughters them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. He has this this defining moment where he makes a decision that affects the trajectory of the rest of his life forever. I love how Kevin said it, so I'll give him credit. He burns the plows and cooks the cows. He's changing the defaults on the calendar. He's saying, I'm I'm not going to live with a contingency plan. I'm not living with reserves. In card-playing terms, Elisha is all in. Okay, pretty simple concept. All in in poker is betting my entire hand. This is all the stack of chips that I've got left, and and I think I've got it, so I'm betting everything. If I win, I win big. If I lose, I'm out. Because here's the deal. The temptation would have been to say, you know what? I'm going to hire some people to run this farm and keep the farming thing going, and I'll go check out the profit thing. And if the profit business, you know, doesn't turn out really great, then I've got a fallback position. But that would have just been anting up, right? That would have just been barely getting in. Or he could have made a little bit more of a marginal bet and burned the plows but kept the cows. Or he could have sold the plows and the cows and put the money in the bank so he had a fallback position. But he doesn't do that. He's all in. He has a big barbecue. He invites the whole town. And we don't know who the people are, but you know how you can smell meat cooking from miles away, right? I mean, you Catholics who grew up with the no meat on Fridays thing, right? There was always some Baptist guy close by grilling a steak on Friday night. Am I right or am I right? Okay, you could smell it. This is such a cool picture. Hey, Elisha, what are you doing? I'm having a barbecue, dude. Come on over. That's a lot of meat. Holy cow. That's a, that's a lot of meat. 24 oxen. Can you imagine? He could have fed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Elisha, why are you doing this? Thanks for the meat, but why are you doing this? Well, I'm going to profit school and I'm all in. I don't want to have anything that I can go back to and say, well, maybe I'm going to quit that. I'm, I'm all in. I burned the plows. I cooked the cows. I'm all in. Can I just stop and ask you, what is 2018 going to look like for you? Is it going to look like 2017 all over again? Or is there something that God is calling you to do? And what is it that you need to burn to go all in? That's why you got a poker chip on the way in. Evidently, I'm collecting them here. Um, I want you to take them and put them in your pocket and carry it around. And think about whatever it is that you believe that that God is wanting to do with 2018 that's different than 2017. All in, I'm going to remember, and I'll explain it. As Elijah mentors Elisha for a little while, there's this interesting twist at the end of the story. Elijah and Elisha are having a conversation. Elijah, the mentor, is getting ready to be taken back into heaven, and they're having this little conversation. They're at the Jordan River, and it says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Grasshopper. 
Those of you who are laughing are dating yourself. Grasshopper, <laughs> you have learned much. What is one thing I can do for you before I go? Jedi, young Jedi, what can I do for you? Here's what Elisha says. Obi-Wan, here's what I want, okay? I want to inherit a double portion of your spirit. A double portion of your spirit. Wait, what? I'm impressed. What he's saying is, Elijah, you're an amazing man of God. You have done some unbelievable, God has done unbelievable miracles through your life. And you have taught me how to follow God. I want twice as much as what you had. I mean, it sounds kind of greedy, right? Doesn't it? Can I get a double portion? I don't want to just do what you did. I mean, I love what you did and God bless what you did. I want to do twice. I want twice as much. Is that okay? Is it, is it okay to ask God for twice as much? Is, is it okay to ask God for a blessing at all? Several years ago, 10, 12, I don't know, 14 years ago, there was this book that was written called The Prayer of Jabez. Maybe some of you read it. Uh, it became this really popular thing because there's this uh, another obscure little passage in, in Chronicles about this guy named Jabez, and this is part of his prayer. Jabez cried to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Bless me and enlarge my territory. Well, wait a minute, what does that mean? Is that, is that okay? And, and there was, you know, a lot of discussion about it. Is it okay to ask God for a double portion of a blessing? Well, here's, here's my answer. God is your dad, and he knows what's best. Okay? So, so if, if, if the double portion of the blessing is going to mess you up, then he's not going to give it to you. My kids are doing a great job of raising my grandchildren. You know, when, when a three-year-old Charlie or a two-year-old Olivia say, can I have another cookie, my, my kids know not to give them more than is good for them. I don't care. I give them whatever they want. <laughs> but, but ultimately, their parents, God is not your grandpa, okay? He's your dad, and he's a good dad, and he's not going to spoil you. But here's the deal. If if the blessing of God, if a double portion of the Spirit of God it, it comes upon you so that it can be used to bless other people, then ask away. Double blessing. Why not? Why not ask? He's not going to give you what you can't have, so why not ask? Elisha gives us a great model for changing the default and starting the new year. What if you ask God for a double blessing in 2018? Is that okay? Of course it is okay. I want to be the kind of person that says, God, I want you to do more through my life this year than you did last year. And double, just double it. I don't know what that means, but I feel like part of you, I feel like this is the way we need to start 2018. A lot of great stuff has gone on in 2017. A lot of great stuff has gone on in the past, but let's ask God for a double portion next year. I, to me, it's not an issue of supply. It's an issue of desire. It's an issue of desire. How much do we want it? What would it look like? Well, you ask, okay, pretty simple. You burn, what's holding you back? That's what Elisha taught us. And you commit to following your mentor. Not Elijah, not me, it's Jesus. So 2018 could be as easy as ABC. I did that on purpose so that you could remember it. You ask, you burn, you, you commit. Easy as ABC. Maybe I left one side of your poker chip blank 
So that you could take a, a permanent marker, maybe just write ABC in there if you want to, or X2 if you want to, or, or whatever it is that this is going to mean to you as you start 2018. I'm asking God for a double blessing. I'm asking him. I double dog dare you. Ask God for a double blessing. Let's do it right now. Repeat this after me. God, I want a double blessing in 2018. Okay, he's God. He's going to do what he knows you need or whatever, but, but why not? Be, burn. What is it that's holding you back? What's your, what's your fallback that, keeps, that you can keep going back to? I mean, maybe it's a good thing that you have, but it's keeping you, I mean, there's nothing wrong with plowing. There's nothing wrong with, you know, the, the job that he had or whatever. But, but, but Elisha was saying, I'm not going to put my faith in that anymore. I'm going to put my faith in where you are taking me. I mean, that could literally be our finances, right? Could easily be our treasures. Jesus said, store up treasures in heaven instead of on earth. And a lot of us have, a, all of us have a hard time letting go of that and investing in heaven. Maybe 2018 for you is, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start tithing. I'm going to sign up for giving online and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch him bring the blessing. I'm going to watch him throw open the floodgates. Maybe it's a negative thing that you need to burn. Pretty simple for you what this is going to represent. It's an addiction. It's a sin thing, a go-to comfort thing. It's alcohol. It's sugar. It's porn. It's, it's whatever. It's something you just, when you carry this around, you're like, no, I'm done with that. I'm moving forward. Maybe it's a neutral thing. Maybe it's just a time-wasting deal. Maybe you need to burn Netflix or, or social media, you know, or, or whatever it is so that you can go commit, which is the, the last part, to following your mentor. That stuff that's getting in your way, you need to burn it. You ask, you burn, you commit. What does it mean to commit? Maybe you're new. Maybe you just raised your hand and asked for the gift of salvation at, at Christmas Eve and you're new. I'm just going to say all, all this might mean for you when you put this chip in your pocket is, is, God, I don't know what it means. I'm just committing to follow you. Show me what that means. P people ask all the time, how can I grow as a Christian? I, I, if I want to grow in 2018 and make it different than 2017, I preached a sermon series on this that we did in, in August. Five things God uses to grow you. And four of them are things that, that are up to us. One of them is engaging in worship. Okay, just knowing that there's something bigger going on. So maybe if you're new, maybe it's just, hey, I'm going to commit to January. This sounds interesting. These are things that are going to be important to me. I'm going to come every week in January. If everything works out right, I'm going to come. Uh, the second thing is serving, which is always critical to your growth because it reminds you that it's not about you and, and there's just something. I mean, all kinds of studies about volunteerism and what it does for us as we do this now. That's how you grow. The third thing is getting involved in a community, in, in a smaller group. So it's not just looking at the back of somebody's head, but you've got people in your life that you're doing this with, right? Um, maybe it's rooted. We still got a couple spots open at our new Linux and our Homer campus for the, for the one that starts next week. Orland is full. Um, but even next time coming through, you've heard us talk about rooted. Get involved in that and go through it and find a group of people that you can do life with. But the most important thing, studies will tell us over and over again, the most important thing you can do to change 2018 over 2017, to change the defaults, is, is just to read this. It's just chair time. That's what we call it. Spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day just reading the Bible and reflecting on it. 
Getting away from all the other things that are going on and listening to the still, small voice of God. Get away from the fire and the earthquake and the wind and all the other things and spend some time with God. And we believe in this so intensely that we're going to take a challenge this year as Parkview. Okay? We're going to read a million chapters of the Bible as a church. You start thinking about it, you start putting however many people we have, and you start div- dividing it up. We're going to read a million. This is what we're committing to. And I hope you're going to join me because I don't have time to read 500,000 chapters of the Bible to make this all thing happen. Okay? If you go, to, if you go online to parkviewchurch.com slash one million, what we're doing, and we're doing it through technology, the U version. New version app on your phone, on any of your devices, you can go look up one million, go look up one million chapters, whatever, and you will find our plan. And that's how we're going to keep track. And all of you, you can read your Bible and then you can report in on that app and we're going to keep track of it and we'll keep going throughout the year and tell you where you're at. And I just want to encourage you to read a chapter of the Bible every day or read three chapters a week or whatever it is. And if we all do this together, we can read a million chapters of the Bible as a church. And how awesome, how much do you think God's blessing is going to come upon us if we do that? I mean, it's super simple, right? What if in 2018, we are the kind of people that would say, God, I am asking you for a double portion of your spirit. I am burning the stuff that's keeping me from you. And I'm committing, I'm committing to the things that are going to make the default change and change the trajectory of my life. I want more of you in my marriage. I want more of you in my parenting, my school, my work, my neighborhood, whatever. Elisha asked Elijah for a a double portion of the spirit. What happened? I know you can't read this. I just wanted to list them out for you. These are the miracles in the career of Elijah. If you add them up, there are 14 of them. Okay, the prophecies that came true, crazy miracles, things that happened, calling down fire from heaven, 14. That's the entire list. Here is the career of Elisha, okay, the, the young one, the Jedi. He comes along and all the same kinds of things, all these different kinds of miracles, all these amazing things that God does. Here's 14 of them. But that's only half the list. Here's 15 through 28. Literally, literally, 28 miracles versus 14 miracles of Elijah. Why? Because he asked. (laughs) Do Do you know what my reaction to that is? What if Elijah didn't ask? What if he didn't burn the plows and cook the cows? What if he didn't commit? None of that stuff would have happened, not even the first 14, let alone 28. My other reaction is, what if he would have asked for a triple blessing, right? I mean, that's just me, quintuple, centuple. I don't even know if that's a word. I think the only limit seems to be his ability to verbalize the math equation. But let's start somewhere. Let's just work off of double. Let's make this our prayer as a church that we want God to bring a double portion of his spirit and his blessing to Parkview in 2018. 
We're not satisfied. We love what you've done here, God, but we are not satisfied, and we want a double portion. We want a double portion of people who have lost hope finding hope in Jesus. We want a double portion of of people who are trapped in, in, in poverty and addiction and pain to be healed and set free. We want a double portion of marriages restored. We want a double portion of families healed. We want a double portion of the lost sons and children of of our father to be brought back to God. We want a double portion of the next generation of leaders being raised up as we train them. That's what I'm asking God for. And, And personally, I'm asking you, ABC, you're 2018. Change the defaults. Go all in. Why not? Start right now. Let's do this together, Parkview. We got this. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for a double portion of your blessing, of your spirit in my life in 2018. I don't know what that, I don't even know what that looks like. And I got to admit, it feels a little selfish because I have seen you do some amazing things. And I am so blessed. But I know you have unlimited resources. So I'm asking for a double down. I'm asking for a double portion when it comes to 2018 in my life, in my marriage, with my daughters, with my son-in-laws, with my grandchildren. I pray that, that my daughters and, and sons-in-law are the Elishas and get a double portion of, of the Elijah of, of mom and dad as it's been passed down. And I pray that my grandkids get a double portion of that and that their children get a double portion of that and that it keeps going. I pray for a double portion of you in, in my ministry. In the, in it, I pray for a double portion of you in this book that I'm, I'm working on right now, that it will help and reach even more people. I pray for a double portion on, the, on me and Todd and the people who are preaching. I pray for a double portion on our kids' ministry and our students' ministries as we raise up the next generation. I pray for a double portion on those who, who are reaching out to the hurting people around us. I pray for a double portion of blessing in Malawi, Lord. I pray for a du- double portion of blessing in Kenya and all the other places where we're helping people around the world. I pray for a double blessing on 2018 for Parkview, for for Tim Harlow, for my family, for the people in this room, the people that are listening to me right now online, the people who, who, who are hearing these words, that they'll, that, they'll, that they'll just take the challenge and ask, burn, and commit. And I can't wait to see what you do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.